Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 213 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present Master Chaos on BDSMWiki.com. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for loads of information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com. Here's your host, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me, as usual, is the Beast. Hey, Woody. 2018 just plugs along. As cold as it can possibly be. Uh, Tired of winter. Well, spring will spring here before long. Yes, it's coming soon, actually, at this point. Yeah, and the sap will start rising, and the honey will be out, or honeys. I've been called sappy, but that's a little uh, weird. Have you ever noticed in the spring how uh, the women get hoardier? And the skirts get shorter? Oh, yes, yes, yes. See, we're we're dreaming. We have a while to go, but we'll, we'll get there. I have to hold on to something. So what have you brought us this evening? Oh, we are in the great state of Texas. We've, we, we've been down there. Remember, we were down for uh, Lady Scott, Scott Diver. We were, and uh, also Hardy Haberman. Yeah, so, so, so Texas is, is a fun state. Mm-hmm. We got Master Chaos with us today. Master Chaos, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. I appreciate it. Well, uh, welcome. Now, you have several claims to fame, but probably your your best known, broadest one is your bdsmwiki.info. And we'll come back around to that in a minute, but we want to know who you are. Sure. Um, I guess uh, what I can say is I started out, uh, I want to say, uh, getting involved in the public kink scene in my early 30s. Um, and, uh, what I did was, um, I kind of, uh, I got to a point in my life where I said, you know, this vanilla thing, not that I knew the word vanilla at the time, but it was to describe it briefly. This vanilla thing isn't working. I'm trying to be a normal person fit into society and I just get a white picket fence and everything I'm doing and I'm following all the steps people are telling me to, it's not working. It's making me very frustrated. My relationships aren't working. What's, what's happening here? You know, what am I going to do? I don't know. I'm just going to say yes to whatever comes along and try out different things. And within the first week of me doing that, I had three women who were all kinky that approached me, which had never happened before in my life. And they all wanted me to top and or dominate them um, to various degrees. And I was like, I'll try. I don't know. Sure. Why not? Right. Such a tough (laughs) request, but somebody has to do it. Yeah. So what ended up happening was I was like, this is kind of fun. And, you know, I was obviously I had the new nervous jitters from being a new top and didn't know, like, is this okay? I don't know. So I found some friends that kind of knew more about it, started asking them questions, showed up to a munch, went to a dungeon, started learning, reading books, getting online, uh, talking to people, you know, and short distance later, uh, teaching classes, uh, talking to people. You know, now I got another book that's coming out. You know, I put the wiki together. All kinds of other stuff happened in between there. Uh, I run a group on FET now. Basically, you know, I've just been putting myself out there a lot because it's something that uh, this is a, this lifestyle is something I'm very passionate about. 
and I like to share with people and I like to help them kind of reach that moment where they discover their own uh, happiness and comfortability with their own sexuality the way I did. You know, to me, it was just amazing that three women would all of a sudden ask this and be like, oh, yeah, it's fine if you have sex with other women. I don't care. Just, you know, use protection. And that's cool. And I was like, what? You know, <laughs> but it, it blew my mind. And I realized, wait a minute, all these things that I thought were supposed to be, I don't have to do any of that. And it was so liberating to me. Um, and I love it when I, other people can kind of get to that point and find their own success with that. That very first woman, you really had to give a lot of thought to, to kink before that first moment? The only experience I had prior to that was uh, the last partner I had before that. I love telling this story because it's so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> she asked me to uh, to spank her and hit her with a riding crop. And I did one of these like tap things. was like, is that okay? Does that hurt? I'm sorry. I don't know if this is bad or not. <laughs> and uh, looking back on it now, you know, having people seeing me doing demos where people are beaten to, you know, messy pulp and things like that, you know, because that's what they signed up for and wanted. It's, it's a very different kind of take that I have on it now, obviously. It didn't take long for somebody to explain to me the concept of consent, which is, hey, if they like it and they're mentally healthy and you're doing something that they enjoy, what's the problem, you know? So that really did a lot for me and uh, moved me forward. And, you know, now I'm at a point where, you know, we go on retreats and hang people from hooks and stuff and good things like that. And how many years has this journey been been in progress now? Well, I'm 36 now. I got started publicly at about 31. Um, I was kind of messing around at about 30. So not that long. But in that time, I want to say the first two years, I was just basically immersed in study, talking to people that had, you know, uh, I want to say decades long legacies and asking them questions and trying to come about into finding how do I uh, learn as much about this as I can? And now I'm in a spot where I try to pass that and share that to other people as much as I can. Are you in a place where there's a public scene? Yes and no. In Austin, Texas right now, there is, as in many places, a lot of ups, downs, drama, and things that bust apart. I want to say that my kink world is more about having actual friends that I connect with less than being part of a scene. Um, I'm not as much big on the idea of just like going to a dungeon and meeting random people to play as much as I used to be when I first got involved. Um, I'm more interested in like having good friends that I can chat with, you know, on various programs and say hi to and, you know, and, and meet up with and maybe go to a, a convention with us and say hello. That's more important to me than uh, being part of the scene. The scene in Austin has somewhat uh, recently collapsed a little bit in that the uh, the community place was shut down. They are working to open, I believe, one new venue at this moment, but the three main venues all shut down within the same year this past year. Wow. Yeah, so it ended up, uh, there was just a lot of bickering and drama and bad behavior. And I mean, you know, you guys know the story, I'm sure. Yeah, we, we've heard this story. Yeah, yeah many times. Uh, not one, not two, but several communities across the country and locally. Yeah. You said the first couple of years were deeply in study. Mm-hmm. Were you a monk or, <laughs> or was there more going on in those couple of years than just watching and study? Basically, I'll put it like this. So I had those three girls that I started out with, which then branched out to eventually me getting to a dungeon. Um, now with that, I was also reading lots of books. Uh, I also did 
scenes and I'd have people lined up to play with me. You know, sometimes I do 12 scenes in a night, I think was my maximum. After 12? That, yes. Oh, that was man. the worst I've ever, that was the most I've ever done. And I was like, no more, never again. <laughs> but usually eight to 10 was typical for a while. Until I, <laughs> Holy crap. A, totally frenzy, mind you, you know, like I didn't know better. So I got that experience in there. And then I was also attending, the reason I was able to do that was because I was also attending demos and classes everywhere that I could find them. You know, regardless, because I, I wanted to value people's information that they had to share because I knew that different teachers, even if they're teaching the same subject, had different takes and different perspectives, um, you know, and they, they'd have different advice to give and different techniques to share. A side effect of, of this immersion mm-hmm. um, was you met a lot of people. Am I correct on this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I met a bunch of people. Um, I want to say that I, uh, I traveled a little bit uh, up and down the East Coast uh, briefly and uh, eventually came down to Texas uh, for completely different reasons that my mom is down here. She got sick for a little bit, so I figured it. I didn't grow up with my mom, so it was good to kind of come down and spend some time, take care of her. She's better now, thankfully, but uh, I really like it down here in Austin, so I stayed and I got some great girls down here too, so that works out. <laughs> yes, it's all about the uh, the playmates at times. Yeah. This first uh, couple of years, you were not celibate by any stretch of the imagination. Oh no, 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 no! Doesn't um, sound celibate. No, no. no. I, I just want to want to share share with our newer people out there that immersed in studying doesn't mean that you have to be a monk and and clustered. Uh, off, you can still have great adventures. Absolutely. I, I, uh, I know for me, um, and people, you know, say a lot of times, like, uh, very derisively on, say, like, Fat Life, there'll be the conversation of, oh, he's just here to get laid when they're talking about somebody new. And I'm like, I was just here to get laid when I started. I didn't know any better. You know, I was like, this is a good way to have sex, and these people are okay with it. It's the, the key thing is, I think, though, is just not to stop there and then to continue on to uh, developing not only kink skills, but eventually interpersonal skills, communication skills, relationship skills, you know, and uh, and to pursue beyond that. But I think that's a fine starting point for anybody. And then you got to add one more thing, consent. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was somebody explained that to me very early on was because uh, my issue was that I was hyper concerned about consent, not the opposite direction where I was hyper uh, uh, not concerned about consent. And I, I was like more like, I don't know if this is right. How do I know that these people are okay if they're wanting stuff? You know, uh, just a lot of like, you know, societal indoctrination stuff I had to overcome. But yeah, I think the key thing is, uh, you know, once you manage that and you learn to be able to communicate, like um, one of the things on the wiki that I put together was a nice list that was loosely based off of Jay Wiseman's stuff back in the day, but I kind of updated it and added a lot of stuff as to a good negotiation skill set list to kind of uh, get moving forward with that. And I kind of know when I, if somebody's new and approaches me, I usually just refer to that, have them put it in writing and send it to me this way. I'm like, all right, I know this is our baseline. This is what we're doing. And uh, you know, if we want to negotiate and alter after that, we can discuss that, but this is where we'll start is what you you wrote down. So your first uh, couple of years, who were your inspirations from the community? You, you, you mentioned Jay, who is a uh, now a legend, yes, and uh, but we have uh, a whole new breed of of authors. And who were some of the names that you read and followed? My authors that I always recommend, and I recommend them in a specific order. Actually, when somebody asks me for advice, um, the people that uh, when they're like, "What can I read to to learn more?" Um, I say the first thing I do is recommend them to the wiki because that's got a good one on one section. It's practical. 
and it will get people answers to get started in the community right away um, because I feel like that's going to jump them right in. Right after that, the next thing I recommend is Real Service by Raven Caldera. I feel like that's a really excellent introduction to understanding more about the concept of service. And um, then after that, I move into Robert Rubel's uh, Master Slave Mastery Basics, followed by uh, Slavecraft by Guy Baldwin, and then back to uh, Master Slave Mastery Advanced by Robert Rubel. And I recommend them in that order because I feel like that's going to open somebody up to understanding more of the relationship stuff. I know they're going to get the kinky skill stuff at their local dungeon and learn about all the, you know, I want to use fire, I want to throw off logger, you know, they'll, they'll get all that stuff there. But they're not going to necessarily get the, how can I be responsible in a relationship? How can I be a good master or slave or submissive or dominant? Um, and I feel like that's the stuff that I really push to educate on because I feel like that's where ultimately most people end up at some point. Not everybody does. I have a couple friends that are just straight up kinky and they're like, no, I have no desire for that. But the vast majority of people I know usually want to get there at some point. And, and you discuss this on your, on your profile that the SM part of it is uh, less of an interest to you from the teaching side and the education side, because it has, as you said, the flogging class is ubiquitous. Well, yeah, I can teach somebody everything they need to know about flogging in about 15 minutes. It's not really a real, you know, tough skill to learn. It's more practice and understanding other tangential skills like consent and negotiation and things like that. Um, whereas the actual skill of throwing a flogger is, you know, hold it in your hand, move your arm like this. Uh, you know, these are the areas on the body that you can hit and not uh, to be reasonably safe. And then from there, you can experiment once you, you're practiced. We don't mean to uh, to lessen the importance of yeah. these hard skills, uh, uh, hard in the physical sense that they're touchy skills, but they are important because people do get hurt if we don't learn the proper techniques here. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, like, uh, for example, I, I look at uh, Robert Dante, who, was, uh, who I learned whips from, and uh, he told me, like, you know, Everything you need to learn about whips, you can learn in 30 minutes, but you're not going to be good for a year or two, even if you practice all the time, you know? We just had Robert on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know, and obviously he's incredibly talented and skilled with his whips. You know, I mean, I didn't study under him for a long period of time. I took a weekend intensive with him and I got the information I needed because, like he said, it takes 30 minutes. Grabbed his DVD, watched it a couple times and started throwing a whip at home until I got decent with it. And, uh, you know, and I think that uh, that's... When you're talking about whips, I feel like that's a category, like, they're going to be in the, the, the bracket of, like, say, like, scalpels or something like that. Like, you're not going to start out with those things, obviously, but learning how to, like, do a spanking is something that can literally be taught in a few minutes as to decent techniques, and then it's more about interpersonal reaction after that, right? And that MS side, that mental side, that power exchange side, it's a much harder skill to practice because there are real-world consequences to miscommunication and and so forth. You can practice it, but but the details can be much stickier. But these are the more important skills if you're going to uh, be invested in this long-term, I think. Absolutely. I, I feel like um, when you're... I mean, it's, it's obviously there's, there's lots of uh, risk as well for, for SM activities for people that don't know what they're doing as well. But I feel like those are easier to practice, like you were saying. Um, it's going to take a little bit more time to develop as a person to get to a point where you're comfortable and other people are comfortable trusting you in a role as a master or a slave or dominant or submissive. 
learning to read people and to know the nuances of the mental side and the emotional in a scene is is uh, something that some people are naturally in tune to and some take quite a bit of time to work on. And some never learn it. Oh, and some yeah. never. Well, I will say, too, that uh, just from lots of experience uh, from doing scenes with, uh, you know, pickup play and things like that, I found that uh, some people you'll connect with, too, and some people you won't. And, you know, there's, there's even if you have the reading skills, you just may not uh, jive right. And that's OK, too, to just be like, oh, you know, this isn't working for me. I tried. I did my best. I thought we'd have a better time, but it turned out this isn't this isn't doing it for me. And, you know, and just to be able to have that explicit communication and not place blame or fault on the other person, you know, is a, a big part of that. Um, just because, I mean, uh, I guess for me, I, I look more towards uh, I, I do say that nuance is important, but I always push for explicit communication when I'm talking to people. You created BDSMWiki.info. A bold move for somebody fairly new to the community. What drove you to to that huge investment in time and energy? That was, uh, I guess the thing was, somebody was like, you should do this. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, like, I can build websites and stuff, but I don't, I don't know if I have the experience and the time and the effort and the energy to do that. Um, but eventually I had a couple minutes and I was like, all right, you know, and I... I uh, I started putting it together, and uh, but I knew enough to know that I don't know all of the things, even though I know how to research well. So I just started asking people, and it was like, is this something that's reasonable? Is this a good idea? Should I put this on here? What kind of information is good? And then I just had people starting to contribute, and then after a while, um, you know, it built itself to the point where it is now, which is, I wouldn't say it's anywhere near finished. Like, there's no end to this, right? Because there's always more to discuss and learn. Um, but it, it's in a space now where... I feel like anybody can go there and get a decent amount of information to start with. Um, and I found that the one-on-one course that I put together will usually get people pretty well up to speed in the community if they read through that articles, which might take about half an hour to an hour for what might otherwise take somebody a year or two. But that's also a subjective thing, you know, because some people, like you said, never learn. Other people learn very quickly. So there's that. So this is a good intro site, and uh, what, what about people that are more advanced? For more advanced people, um, I'm going to say I purposefully avoid talking about SM that's going to uh, involve very explicit technique at the higher levels, right? So um, what I might talk about, like, say, for whips would be, like, here's some safety equipment. This is some things you should know about whips. These are, you know, but I'm not going to actually be teaching anybody how to use them on the site because it's too dangerous to teach and learn off of a website. Um, you know, somebody could put their eye out with a whip very easily. So I really don't want to be liable for that. Um, obviously I'm not liable for what people choose to do, but I would just, I'm like from a, a safety standpoint, I'm not there. I'm not with them. I don't know what they're going to do with this information and if they're going to be responsible and safe with it. So I just don't put it out there. But I will talk to them about things like, say, um, for example, I might not teach them how to use a scalpel specifically, but I will say this is how you set up a sterile field, which you need to know how to do if you're going to be using that, you know, and give people some intro skills that are going to be able to set them up for that. For people that are more advanced, I feel like when you get to that level where you're looking for that kind of activity, I don't feel it's wise to learn from the Internet. I feel it's important to learn about your you know, uh, free strike branding from somebody in person that knows what they're doing 
I, I don't want uh, somebody trying to figure that out from the website. Thank you for saying that. That is so important. Yeah. But it's YouTube. Yeah, it's how to scalpel your girlfriend in five easy pieces. Five easy pieces. Well, I see some uh, some presenters that don't even know some sanctioned presenters that don't know their mm-hmm. stuff either. But the internet is a fabulous resource. If you're in uh, Idaho, it can definitely get you pointed in the right direction since you have limited resources and limited time available get you pointed in the right direction oh i want to try this now i start looking for people to to explore this with whereas the us in the urban areas we have a plethora of options on most weekends to learn from yes yeah, for sure i know in, in austin there's usually like i want to say i meet up almost every day of the month um somewhere you know uh and I do want to add one more thing too, though, because um, that was I was mostly talking about the the SM side to answer your question there. Mm-hmm. From the MS side, though, I feel like it's tough to teach that stuff online too, because although I can put all of the words on the paper, there's still an elusive, obvious element to it uh, that, unless you see it in practice, is not going to go over very well. You can read the words and not really know how to apply them. For example, I can teach somebody protocol theory, but unless they understand the purpose and why and what's going to go into that and they have a partner that's wanting to do that with them and they understand why that is important for both of them it's going to be irrelevant to have all of that information it's just not going to work and human communication is much more complex than just words it's inflection body language intention so many things that go 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 beyond just a simple audio process to the visual and the tactile and i think that's the thing i can say that but i can't tell them what to do in order to make that happen right so like because i mean and the other thing is people respond to different things differently right what one partner wants is what somebody else hates and that's you're not going to be able to understand how to functionally use them unless you're in tune with your your partners i think there is a shift uh, because we're raising a internet age population, but there is still the difference in having somebody present in your presence and having somebody present via a computer screen 2,000 miles away. I will say this um, as somebody that, because uh, I'm going to preface this by saying that uh, one of my slaves lives three hours away. We visit regularly. The other one lives with me. I, I believe I'm qualified to speak on the fact that Uh, I have two long-term relationships. One is long distance and one is in the house. And I think it's important to recognize that those are two different kinds of relationships. Um, They are not more or less than the other, but they are different. And it's important to recognize that because when people are doing, you were saying before about how people talk about their relationships in such a sense that, uh, you know, some of that, when we're doing the internet age thing, people, a lot of people work exclusively online. And I feel like when they uh, work exclusively online, they sometimes equate that to the same thing as real life, and it's not quite the same thing. And similarly, real life is not the same as a LDR. Yeah, and I mean, well, an LDR is a real thing, right? Like, it actually is two people interacting. I don't want to present the notion that it's not real. Certainly. Those interactions matter, but the kinds of interactions and the types of limitations and types of things that you have access to are going to vary, and that will change the relationship regardless. What is in the future for Master Chaos? 
So I do have that book I'm working on right now. Which is? It's the Master Slave Manual, uh, which is, I know it's ambitiously titled, um, but uh, I do have contributors that are quite qualified. Um, a lot of people that I'm sure you guys either have heard of or know. And uh, I'm very excited about that. And the idea is to create a manual of information that will get somebody a really good start that's very easily accessible to entering into MS. And that's going to be out hopefully within the next year. Um, it's been written. It's just in editing right now. And my uh, slave Katara is working on that very furiously to try and get it done. She's uh, an information designer. So as a result, it takes her a very long time to edit. It's not just about uh, correcting grammar and, and spelling mistakes. It's more about how do I present this information so it's going to be accessible. And that's, uh, that's, that's key, I think. And so there's that. Uh, I also have a couple of people that have asked me to teach this coming year. I did recently work on the uh, global conference for the uh, MSDS conference um, out of uh, Europe. That was amazing. Um, I was very excited to be part of that. I'm hoping to do that next year as well. I would strongly recommend that. That's a new kind of format for a conference. Uh, help our listeners because it's new to me. Okay. Uh, so the MSDS conference is set up in such a fashion where they use a webinar format. So what they're able to do is get experts from around the globe. And they had a fantastic lineup for their first year. I can't even, like, pretty much all of the greats were there that participated in this event. And uh, they had all of those people coming together and presenting because they didn't have to afford to fly everybody in individually. Now, the disadvantage is, of course, that there's not a party setting. There's not a dungeon to play after. Um, there's not as much of a social aspect during. But the advantage is, is that you're going to get nonstop classes for three days uh, that are then available to you in recording format for several months after that from some of the best experts in the globe, um, you know. So as a result, they ended up creating a situation where they brought a lot of people together. The main thing for me was that it was handicap accessible, right? Um, because people that are, are shut-ins or wheelchair-bound uh, that might not be able to travel, people that were deaf obviously had their own audio-to-visual translators on their computers. These things gave them opportunities to do that, which aren't really present if you have to travel four hours and spend $1,000 uh, to go to a regular conference, you know? And I'm not dissing the regular conferences at all. I think they're great and they have their place. I just think this is a very exciting new format. I don't think it's a replacement either. But I do think that there's an opportunity to fuse them to a certain degree. When you talk about people in the outback of Australia and, again, in uh, Montana or Thatchewan, you know, four hours maybe to the nearest airport mm -hmm. and another three hours on a plane and the practicality of attending these events in the flesh are difficult. Absolutely. It was a beautiful thing, um, and uh, they, they really did an amazing job with it. I was very honored to be part of it, and I'm hoping that uh, they do it again next year because they haven't made an announcement yet. Obviously, they were wiped out after the conference, and we were like, this is our first time. We're not sure yet. We'll see how it goes. But I think it was a massive success, um, and I uh, was up for almost three days, you know, it was, oh. yeah, because they, they ran it for like 18 hours a day. It was crazy. And who says tops are not masochist also? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. The book, when it comes out, where should we look for it? Amazon? 
Amazon will be there. I'm doing it strictly in digital format. I'm probably going to have a couple of hard copies to give to uh, uh, Bob Rubel because he likes to travel and and, uh, and sell things when he does his conferences. I'm probably going to have a couple hard copies to give to my friends. And I know I'm going to give a hard copy to all of the contributors, but I'm not going to be pushing that format. It's going to be in digital primarily. Um, if there's a lot of demand, then obviously I'll, I'll then put it into a, a, a physical format, but I just don't feel like that's necessary to waste the trees, you know, for a lot of people. But don't you love Amazon's print on demand option? Absolutely. That's the thing. And so people can then have that if they should want it. And, um, I think actually that's probably kind of useful for this particular book because then people can scribble their notes in the margins better because they'll have a bigger sheet of paper. I feel like, uh, ultimately it's, a uh, you know, it, it'll be released through Amazon. Um, I, Bob's helping me do that and, uh, and get that together. Bob Rubel, I'm sorry. I don't mean to, there's many Bobs, I'm sure. You know, he's, uh, he's got Red 8-Ball Press that he's been working with for a while, and uh, so he's helping me with that. Well, it sounds like a exciting, exciting future for you, and I appreciate you visiting with us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. And add KinkyCast to your list of things for newbies. Absolutely. I will uh, throw that right on there. I'll go uh, put a link on today. There you go. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate your time, and the great service that you're doing because we know keeping a site like that up is a lot of work, just like putting out a podcast every week. So uh, we respect what you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys doing this too. Um, It's a wonderful format to really connect with human stories, I think. And uh, that's going to hopefully give people a lot of information on the more subtle side. Talk to you soon. Take care. You have been listening to episode 213 of the kinky cast for more information about this show go to kinkycast.com the kinky cast is a production of rooster in the round on behalf of all our kinky crew i'm max see you next week when we present ben shanker on poly and relationship law 